The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Thank you very much, Bernie. You're back to the hard shoulder. Emmett Oliver is the name. It's just past half five and we have a very busy show for you later on. We'll be talking to Paddy Agnew, who is one of Ireland's most distinguished foreign correspondents. And we'll also be looking at the whole issue of long COVID in a few minutes in terms of what the provision of government funding is towards addressing that whole issue. But for now, we're talking about something slightly different, but health related. I saw an amazing story this morning that some people are concerned about the use of e-scooters, that if they become very prevalent among certain groups, you'll actually see obesity rise because the form of transport and listen, just the sheer amount of movement we do at the start or end of our day actually matters in terms of obesity and overweightness generally. So should we be worried about that or is there other solutions that we need to look at because this is a rising epidemic throughout society which has all sorts of disease effects and economic and financial effects on the health system. So to talk about what the options are, I'm now joined by Professor Carl LaRue who is an obesity specialist at St. Vincent's Hospital. You're welcome to the hard shoulder, Carl. Thank you. Now, I know when we get to the level of talking about e-scooters and that being a major problem for the the amazing amount of obesity that runs throughout society, I think it really brings home how worried we are becoming about this, justified or not. You you think there's a whole range of responses. Some of them are exercise, some of them are treatment, some of them are surgery. Just give me an idea of, of where you're coming from in terms of where we should sort of almost put our chips as a health system. W- where do you think we're best to address this problem? So the very good news is that the science is now teaching us that overeating does not cause obesity, but the opposite is true. People who have the disease of obesity overeat. So in the past, we thought that to treat obesity, we need to make people eat less food. But now we understand that if we treat the disease, what naturally happens is people eat less and are able to spend more energy. So thinking about the problem in a different way allows us to look at the options, which include you know, diet approaches, exercise, medications, and surgery. So we need more of these treatments for the disease of obesity. So I'll come on to the surgery in a second because that's a, a sort of a hermetically sealed thing I want to talk about. But in terms of the balance between diet and exercise, I mean, every person is different. We're all different weight, height, different social background, different underlying conditions, etc. But anyway, leaving that aside, in terms of diet and exercise, as a person who's really involved heavily in this area, which one of those two do you think or is it, have, is it about having both of them going at the same efficiency and tackling them from both sides? So it does not matter, you know, what your weight is. It doesn't matter where you come from. We all need to eat healthy and we all need to exercise because those things will make us healthier. The fallacy, however, is to think that it will change our body weight. So we want people to exercise, but often they go and they start exercising. They don't lose weight and they stop their exercise. That's the wrong thing. So we want you to exercise for your health. But don't think that this is necessarily going to change your body weight. Yeah, and I suppose the other problem is it gets harder and harder to get the weight off as you get older. So just at a moment where you're not as fit and healthy as you would be in terms of aerobically and so on, you know, suddenly doing 5K is a lot more difficult than it was three or four years ago. So I think a lot of people have a problem with, as they go through their life, keeping the same level of exercise, you know, something they could actually achieve. But it's even worse for people who have obesity because very often they will tell us, you know, I cannot tie my shoelaces. 
You know, I cannot sit on the floor and play with my children or my grandchildren. So the functional gains that we get from treating obesity and the functional gains that we get from exercise, those are two different interventions, but ultimately it drives people's quality of life. And that's why we want people to exercise more. But certainly if you have the disease of obesity and you recognize that this is impeding your life at the moment, then you need a treatment that's going to result in sustained weight loss in the long term. Now, Professor LaRue, let's go into that group that they've tried the exercise, they've tried the diet, they've, they've tried everything. They're incredibly frustrated. Their, their lifestyle is not where they want it to be and surgery is an option. We know that there was a lot of publicity about five to ten years ago about stomach stapling procedures and so on. But can you just walk me through two or three of the current modern treatments that are available from a surgical point of view? So the most important things we now know, again, from the science looking at surgery is the first thing that it's very effective. The second thing is that it is safe. And the third thing is that it's very cost effective. It's probably one of the cheapest things a health system can do when it comes to treating people with obesity. But what the surgery does is it allows the signal when you eat food to go much stronger to the brain and treat the disease of obesity right at the spot where it sits, which is in the middle part of the brain. So what surgery does is it doesn't make you eat less. Surgery actually treats the disease of obesity, and because it's so effective at treating the disease, people naturally eat less. And it turns out people eat exactly the same food that they ate before they had the surgery. They just eat less of it, but patients tell us that they just feel normal. It's amazing. They're not thinking about food every minute of the day. They can get on with their lives, and that's why surgery is such a good treatment. So so take me into the... Yes, the guts of this. What, what are we talking about physically, the procedure? What, what, what are the best things to do? What, what, what do you do when you get your, your surgeon's scalpel out? What, 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 just give us, walk us through, because I don't think a lot of our listeners are familiar with what's actually involved. So there's two major operations that is being done at the moment. The first is called a gastric bypass, and the second one is called a sleeve gastrectomy. Now, with a gastric bypass, the surgeons cut the stomach and they cut the small bowel. And what they do is they link the part of the small bowel that sends the strong signals to the brain right up in the top of the stomach. So that means that food goes from your gullet immediately into your small intestine. <laughs> I did ask you to explain and that's it. that's <laughs> what sends the signal. And that's what sends the signal. So, so that's, the, that's the interesting thing is that, you know, all the, all the spare parts remain there and um, it can be undone if needed, but it allows people in the long term to have the disease treated. And which one of those two is most effective or is it very much patient-specific? It appears that the gastric bypass is slightly more effective, but many people could benefit from the sleeve and actually have long-term benefits. So that's a discussion that's best had with the surgeon that's going to do the operation. I love the way you call particular organs spare parts. I really do like that. <laughs> uh, it's it's a nice touch. Let, let me talk a little bit about medication because we're, we're we're pulling up a bit short from surgery with medication. Can I treat obesity? Can I be put on a drug regime that will just keep my weight down? I mean, are you are you a supporter or a fan of that particular route? That has been the revolution in the last twelve months. So even 12 months ago, we did not have medications that could substantially reduce weight and keep it down in the long term. And now we have two. And now we can get people to lose 15 or 20 percent of their weight. That's about three to four stone in most patients and keep it off in the long term. 
The issue with medication is it works just as well as medication for blood pressure or cholesterol. So it works when you take it, but when you stop the medication, the disease comes back and of course the weight will return. So it's a chronic treatment and that is why it's helpful to understand, you know, that this is a disease that it just needs a chronic treatment. And these two medications you mentioned, how, what is the mechanism? How do they work? Is it suppression of appetite or how do they actually kick in? It turns out that they work almost exactly like surgery does by simply just sending a strong signal um, into the brain, in the part of the brain where obesity is situated and therefore treats the disease. And it actually uses some of the same signals that surgery does, which are these gut hormones that allows you and me to feel full after we've had a meal. Now, one of the issues, I suppose, is if you've been obese for a long time, and I suppose you're talking about morbidly obese a lot of the time, OK, because there, there is an actual scientific difference there. But people who have been morbidly obese for a long time, they've obviously had a lot of bad health outcomes already because they've been living with this. It's been taking pressure onto their heart. There, there's possible blood pressure issues. There, there might be all sorts of other underlying problems. So are they still able to take on a surgery? Like, in other words, how far gone does a person have to be before you'll say your heart is too weak or, or you're not able for this quite, you know, intrusive surgery? So it does not matter how big somebody is because ultimately our goal is never weight loss. Our goal is always health gain. So if you have the disease of obesity, but you find that your health is impaired, that could be your blood pressure up or you have type 2 diabetes or you've got a risk of developing cancer, then treatments are going to help. So we're not thinking about treating the patients who are the largest, that they may have the most benefit. It's actually treating those patients where the complications of obesity can be reversed. And that's specifically type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, but also now if you have pains in your knees because you are too heavy. Or, for example, if you can't fall pregnant um, because you are too heavy. And those are the patients that have the most health gains. Now, are you surprised, and I don't want to set a consultant on consultant here, but um, your, one of your colleagues, Professor Donald O'Shea, is saying that he detects a, a creepy move away from physical activity in society generally. W- would you echo his sentiments or, or, or would you have a, a more nuanced position on this question of we're just not moving around enough at its most simplest level? So I completely agree with um, Donal because what he is talking about is how can we prevent people developing the disease of obesity? And the prevention of obesity, you know, is very different to when it comes to treating the disease of obesity. It's a little bit like, you know, asking somebody who developed lung cancer because they were smoking. The treatment for lung cancer is not to ask you to stop smoking. The treatment includes medication, sometimes surgery, etc. But of course, what we want to do is we want to prevent people developing the disease and therefore asking people to stop smoking is a really good idea to prevent lung cancer. And in the same way, by exercising and eating healthily, we know that's going to take normal weight people and keep them healthy in the longer term. Well, listen, well done. And the reason I say well done is because sometimes this whole area can seem unremittingly gloomy. There is no solution. But you've actually outlined two surgical procedures, two medications. So there are things there apart from the general lifestyle changes and so on. So there is stuff that can be done about this problem. And I think that's the main message that's coming out of your talk with us today. And that is Professor Carl LaRue. He is an obesity specialist at St. Vincent Hospital. And next up, we'll be talking business. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.